Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, 9 a.m. In a couple weeks, soon to be our 9.30 a.m. Uh, if you missed Pastor Ray's announcements last week, we're growing as a church. It's not exciting to be a part of a church that's growing. And the Lord's leading us to start an 8 a.m. service. So in first week of February, 8 a.m. is where revival is going to take place at Calvary Community Church every single week at 8 a.m. here. And then uh, 9.30 and 11.30. And no, truly, our heart is to make room. You know, as you look around this morning, there's maybe... 15 or 20 empty seats in here. And our hope is that we can make space because how many believe there's still people that don't know Jesus in our community? And the church isn't called just to sit by. The church is called to make room and make space. So thank you for helping us do that. If you'd be so willing to go to our 8 a.m. so that unchurched or those looking for a church can come to our 9.30 or 11.30. And everyone said amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning, please? We're in a series called Living Out the Words of Jesus. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name's Taylor, one of the pastors here, and just an honor to get to share God's word with you this morning. We're talking through the Sermon on the Mount over the next number of weeks, and we're talking about the, the words of Jesus and his vision for humanity. And these words are important, they're magnificent, they're marvelous, they're detailed, they, they're thought through, and they're meant to be meditated on as the church. And so may we go slow over the next number of weeks and take these words very seriously of what Jesus wants from us. Matthew chapter five, we're in the Beatitudes. We're in the Beatitudes this morning. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And this is the beginning of his sermon. He said this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so, Lord, we ask one more time that you would take these words and that they would come to life into us this morning. Lord, thank you for the words of scripture that are meant to guide, to teach, rebuke, correct, guide us forward to be the people you're calling us to be. We have this deep and desperate cry, Lord, that we would be your disciples and not just know what it means to be your disciple, but we would take these words and we would allow them to, to go into our hearts so they might, we might be shaped to be like the very person of Christ so when people see us, they would see you. And so Holy Spirit, shape us towards those ends. We won't be perfect, we know that, but shape us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated, please, this morning. Unless you get too cold, you can stand up and do some jumping jacks or something. I promise to be out, get you out this morning before your cars freeze over, okay? Out there. Do you, do you remember, maybe as an as a elementary student or maybe early on in life, do you remember this little thing that used to happen called show and tell? Do you remember this? Who just loves show and tell? Anyone just a big fan of show and tell? Uh, I think show and tell is so cool. You know, it, it's cool. The teacher says, hey, during the, during the lunch hour, you know, we're gonna have one student at a time 
bring their favorite thing and share it with the class. Bring your favorite toy, share it with the class, share why it's important, share, share what it means to you, share what it means to the class. In fact, um, I brought maybe what I, I would have used as show and tell when I was a little guy. This thing, anyone remember this? <laughs> this is Mr. Mike from Toy Story. Well, this is a knockoff version of Mr. Mike from Toy Story. <laughs> Because the vintage ones were like $300 and this one was like 40. So uh, anyone, anyone remember this, by the way? You know, I think, I think if it were, were me and I was just a little nugget, my mom said I had a, a vintage one when I, was, when I was a 90s kid. She said I had one and I'm a little bit bitter that they got rid of it, to be honest. But this is now Liam's favorite toy. He actually is Megan's favorite toy, but we say it's Liam's favorite toy. I'm just kidding. This is, um, I love it because it kind of like, it kind of like changes your voice. And so if it were me doing a show and tell, I'd say, hey, here's my favorite Mr. Mike. And, and this is what it does. This is what it's about. This is why it's important to me. This is why I think it should be important to you. And now, would you like to try Mr. Mike, right? This is, this is kind of the idea of, of show and tell. And would anyone like to come up and try it, actually? We can do a little karaoke time. We won't do that this morning. But here's, here's what Jesus is doing. Go with me, kind of a, a silly little analogy or thought, but I want you to remember this. When you see the, the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, I believe what Jesus is doing is he's using the very people that, he's in, that are in front of him as a kind of show and tell moment to everyone else. In fact, I think sometimes we read statements like the beginning of Matthew chapter five and it says Jesus went up to the high mountain and sometimes in scripture, when Jesus retreats to a high mountain, he goes away to just be alone with, with the Father or to be alone with just a few people. But in this instance, I don't believe that Jesus was going to the top of that mountain in, in, in Galilee. I don't believe he was going up there just to be alone. No, no, I think Jesus was very strategic that he went to the top of a high mountain in a very busy area and he waited for the crowds to be very large. And he wanted to have this moment of show and tell to share with the people by using some of the examples of the people and their stories why the kingdom was important. And this is Jesus. This is the beginning of the sermon. This is these 100 verses are some of the most important verses in all of scripture. Jesus is gonna cast this vision over what the kingdom looks like. He's gonna use these people's examples to help share this is what the kingdom's like. This is why the kingdom's important. This is what I'm inviting you into now and for eternity. This is what he says. And he, and he starts with this. He says, here's the vision. Here's the kingdom. Here we go. Jesus' manifesto, his vision for humanity, First thing is this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a great way to start. Vision, we're going this way. Blessed are you who are poor. This is that, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. Blessed of you when you don't have anything else. Blessed of you when you're out of gas, when you're tired. This, this word poor means literally poor in poverty, poor in spirit, you're down and out, you have nothing, you have nothing else to offer. When nobody sees you, yeah, you're, you're poor. When, when you get to that point of life, when all of life's expectations and all the things that come at you, they literally bring you to your knees. You're poor, you're desperate, you have nothing else to offer. In that moment, blessed are the poor in spirit, yeah, welcome to the kingdom. Jesus' vision, verse four, keeps going with his vision statement for the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. 
Now, I want you to be like thinking with me of this. If you were Jesus, are these the things that you'd be sharing about your kingdom, <laughs> about your vision for what you want for humanity? He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they, they shall be comforted. In other words, blessed are those who, when you lose that thing that's most closest to you, oh, then, then you're blessed. I don't, I don't have as much time this morning to spend on the rest of them as I am on this one. But I want to slow down for just a moment. I think this one in verse four, blessed are those who mourn, this beatitude, this statement of Jesus that he surely thought through, and it wasn't just out, off the hip. These are very thoughtful, careful things he was teaching his disciples. I believe this one may be, they're all relevant to us, but I believe this one may be the most relevant to us as a culture. You see, in our, in our culture, we don't provide very much space for mourning. Everything's just rejoice, be happy, move on, put on the happy face. You might be going through crazy circumstances and things that are really hard, but you don't present those to other people. You just kind of go through life. Everything's good. Everything's awesome. Put the thumbs up. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to power through. Everything's great. We don't provide very much space for mourning. And this is not true of Jewish culture. This is not true of those that have maybe gone before us. We have created this kind of a society in the Western world where we just kind of, we fake it till we make it. And this is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who mourn. This is what he's saying. Blessed are you who are vulnerable. Blessed are you who are honest. Blessed are you that provide space for God to move and to work in your life. I, I, might, I might say it this way. In our world in which we live, Jesus is giving us an invitation to not hide or suppress or isolate our pain. And hear this, I, I wanna read this so carefully because I think it's important. I believe that sadness and anxiety are so prevalent because we haven't been given permission to feel sad and be honest about our brokenness. Do you hear that? I wonder if sadness and anxiety, and I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want you to, to raise your hands this morning, but if I asked how many are feeling anxious this morning? I, I'm sure minimum half the room, maybe, maybe 80% would raise their hand and say, yeah, in some way, my anxiety has increased in the last number of years. Can I say, maybe it's because as a society, we haven't given space for sadness. We haven't given, given space to mourn, to grieve broken things. And catch this, this is I think also very important. When we, when we can't have moments of sadness and we can't mourn, and we don't allow ourselves, we get anxious. And a lot of times, the secondary emotion of anxiousness is anger. So, we feel sad, we feel anxious, and we don't get moments to allow those things, those emotions and those feelings to process with other people. And we, we then get angry. Can I, just, can I just challenge you, the next time you see somebody that's angry, and really angry, or next time you get angry, maybe you could have a little bit more compassion instead of anger back at them. Because the anger is probably just anxiousness or sadness not processed. Are you with me this morning? So Jesus is inviting us in this. He's saying, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are real. Blessed are those who, who grieve. Blessed are those that present the things unto God for they themselves unto God, for they will be comforted. Let's keep going. Jesus' vision for the kingdom. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. This is contentment. This is like, I'm just content. I don't need a lot more. I'm just, I'm humble. Blessed are the meek. 
Verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. This is passion. We ought to be passionate about the things of God. We ought to be passionate about things like righteousness and hungering and thirsting for God's plan to come through our lives. Verse seven, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. This is care. Blessed are those that care for other people. Blessed are those that walk alongside other people. Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is like, blessed are those that get their inside world. Eugene Peterson, the, message, the, the writer of the Message Paraphrase Bible says, this is those that get their inside world and their, in, and their mind right so that they can see God. The pure in heart. You get your inside world so that you can see God in the outside world. This is purity of heart, purity of mind. Verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers. Hello. <laughs> For they shall be called sons of God. This is those that, instead of, instead of building an atmosphere of competition or being right, these are those that build an atmosphere of cooperation and peace and bridge building together. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is Jesus' vision. At the very beginning of his sermon, at the very beginning of his hope for humanity, this is what he wants. Now, like, like me, when I read those, like if you just take away any preconceived notions, you take away, maybe you've read this a thousand times, maybe this is your first time reading this, I, I read this at face value and I go, that is not what I would have expected Jesus to say. But catch this, you, you gotta remember, show and tell. Remember Mr. Mike? <laughs> show and tell. Jesus is looking at a group of people that are, under Roman, that are under Roman oppression. Rome was great. Rome did a lot of great things. A lot of the things that we get to enjoy today, all because of Rome. Rome started a lot of great things, but there was also a lot of oppression in Rome. There was even a lot of religious oppression in Rome. And so Jesus waits until the crowds are big, until he can retreat with some people that are beginning to follow him. And he said, blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are struggling. Why? I believe this. In Jesus' vision, and Jesus' vision for the kingdom, this is the first thing he wants us to see. Jesus' purpose in the Beatitudes is to show that the kingdom is available for everyone. And his vision, he wanted to make sure everyone know, knows this vision, it's, it's, it's expansive. It's big. Anyone can come to, to be in this kingdom if they would like. That you're hurting, you're broken. Jesus wants the Beatitudes to speak loud and clear and the very things that he says. Yeah, you're poor because of Roman oppression. You're mourning because of, because of the circumstance you're in. You're, you're grieving this morning. You're, you're persecuted. All these things, awesome. Welcome to the kingdom. Rome might not welcome you, but I welcome you into the kingdom. This is what Jesus is trying to get us to see. Dallas Willard says it this way, blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, the deprived, the deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion. These people that Jesus is talking to, they have no spiritual qualifications. When it comes to spiritual work, we would probably never call on these types of people. They didn't have charisma, no religious clout. They, they probably knew very little about the Bible uh, as we would know it today. Uh, Paul Simon says, these are the people that were spat upon, 
sit upon and ratted on. These are not the people that we would have just expected that Jesus would have invited his, king, his kingdom. But like Jesus always does, he's always opposite of what our culture says. Our culture, and, and even in churches all across America, it's be better, look better, present yourself better. Make sure you have a good outside world so that you can have great opportunity and all those things. That's not Jesus. Jesus is not showing us that in these moments. He wants us to see that no matter what's going on in your life, you are welcome in the kingdom. You're welcome in the kingdom. There's this story uh, of an author I was reading this week. He was sharing about the story that uh, a man felt called to go start some Bible studies in northern Mexico. So he goes to northern Mexico and he gathers some people in northern Mexico and he went to a very poor region in northern Mexico. He starts these Bible studies and he says, all right, we're gonna go through, let's just pick John chapter one. And he goes and he reads John chapter one and he, he, he reads it with excitement and with passion and he, and he like invites them, what, this, look at how cool this is, like come in. And he's like, shares and then he looks at these people who are from poor communities and he says, now what do you think? Week one, silent. He thinks, well, maybe just, maybe they're just quiet today. We'll try again next week. So he comes back the next week and okay, John chapter two this week. Okay, reads it with excitement and passion. This is what the Lord did in me and, and then the group of people around. What do you think? S silent. Week three, more of the same. He shares, they're silent. Week four, he shares, they're silent. This was his summary. He says this. Just as silence over and over happened, he shared that he finally realized they didn't have the confidence to speak because nobody ever asked anything about the poor in spirit. For as poverty in the human order is automatically taken as a sign of failure in almost every respect. But then there's Jesus. You're not feeling confident? Welcome to the kingdom. You're not feeling all together? Welcome to the kingdom. Why? I think sometimes uh, we, we engineer a certain way of being blessed, but that is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you're at, you are welcome into the kingdom. I love what his mission statement in Luke chapter four was about why his ministry, why he did ministry. He says this, because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus does not make the kingdom complicated. Jesus says, come, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and the promises, you'll be blessed. And blessed not as the world says. In fact, I think Jesus gives his vision. He also gives a revision. Everyone say revision. <laughs> In the Beatitudes, we see Jesus give a revision. Jesus radically flips the script on what it means to be happy or blessed. Jesus radically flips the script on what it means to be happy or blessed. All throughout time, philosophers have attempted to ask this question, how do you have a happy life? How do you have a good life? Surely some of the people that Jesus was talking to would have known maybe Plato or Aristotle or Socrates or Confucius or other famous philosophers, all attempting to give their best idea of what the good life is 
is. And to be honest with you, I think you're not human if you don't think about some of these things too, right? How do I live a good life? How do I be happy? How do I be blessed? How do I, how do I make sure that there's as, as less conflict or pain as possible? I think those are very real and human things. How do I take advantage of the hundred or so years I get on this earth? And how do I make sure that the Lord is just, is working through me and, and I'm living a happy life? All these things are, are, are true. When Jesus talks about blessing, when he says blessed are, this word blessing in the original language isn't the same word that's like blessing in the Old Testament. Like be blessed, may the Lord bless you and keep you. That, that's a whole different teaching. This blessing is way more like a congratulations. Like I think that this word blessing would have been better translated sometimes as like congratulations. He's saying, congratulations when you're poor. Congratulations when you mourn. Congratulations when you're persecuted. Why would Jesus be be congratulating people in the midst of the tough things? I believe this is why. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. He's not saying congratulations because you're poor. I don't think he's saying congratulations because you're mourning. I think he's saying congratulations because in the midst of those things, you're now blessed. Why? Because you've entered into the kingdom and when you enter into the kingdom, all of heaven is working on your behalf. That's what he's saying here. Blessed when your life is all together? No. Blessed when you're real and you enter into the kingdom and now you're with Jesus. You, you my friends, you can have all of the world's wealth you can have all of the world's influence. You can have all the world's things. And many of those things are not bad things. If you have those things, great. But if you don't have Jesus, you really have nothing. You could have millions of dollars, but with, without Jesus, it's nothing. But you could have Jesus and have nothing of the world. Oh, and have everything. That's what this is about. That's blessing. Is there anything wrong with wealth? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with the things of the world? Most of the time, not. Oh, but when you have Jesus, you realize all of those things pale in comparison. That's blessing. That God, God sees you. Blessed isn't about feeling something. It's, it's, it's that in the midst of the things that you're going through, God, God, he sees you. And when he sees you, he works on your behalf and he's working with you and for you. He's not against you this morning. He's saying, blessed are you, yours is the kingdom this morning. Is this making sense this morning? I hope so. He gives a vision, he gives a revision. And then I think thirdly, he gives an invitation. He gives an invitation. I believe that Jesus invites us to hear, receive, and respond to these kingdom values for others to see glimpses of the kingdom now and in the future. When we, when we study the Bible, we, we must first go back into its original context. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see this morning of what it would have been like to be in Northern Galilee, listening to Rabbi Jesus teach his disciples, teach his apprentices, teach those that are learning to follow him. And you have to put yourself back in that world of Rome and of oppression and what these words, they would have hung on every single word Jesus said. But also now as 21st century Christians who believe the word of God is for yesterday, today, and it's for the future. We believe the word of God shapes us, that it's alive and it's active. We also look at some of these things. They're not all virtues in Matthew chapter five in the Beatitudes. Not every single one of them is a virtue, but I believe imp implied in some of these things are virtues for us to 
to hear and to respond to and then to be shaped into them. I, I believe that in these Beatitudes, though they're not fully virtuous, there are a few virtues in the Beatitudes that I think are also confirmed in other places in the Sermon on the Mount that we're gonna keep reading over the next number of weeks and in Jesus' ministry. Virtues like this, virtues like humility, virtues like compassion, virtues like forgiveness, purity of mind and heart, of, of being a peacemaker and enduring persecution. I believe all of these things are, are meant for us to, to, to look at these things and to ask ourselves this, Am I, am I becoming more like, like don't look at one of those words individually, but look at like that entire picture. And are you becoming more of that kind of a person? Because a lot like the fruit of the spirit in Galatians, you know, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And forgive me if I missed one, but I think I got them all. A lot like that, like when you want peace, you just pursue the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives you peace, love, joy, all those things. Is this making sense? Like you don't just say, I need peace. You say, I need the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and gives you life and peace. Brings you direction and joy. Like the Holy Spirit, the, the, all of it comes with the Holy Spirit. The same is true of the Beatitudes. I believe that in the Beatitudes, they're kind of moments for us to reflect and look at the whole picture of the vision that Jesus is, is casting for his kingdom. And, and we ask these questions. Am I more humble? Like, are you more humble this, in 2024 than you were in 2023? Are you more compassionate? Or do you kind of have this jaded spirit about you? Are you more pure in mind and heart than you were yesterday or last week or last month or last year? Like, when you look at your life, are you becoming this picture of more of who Jesus is calling you to be or are you not? Because this is what I wanna to propose to you this morning. If, if this invitation that he's offering us is when you get to know Jesus and you spend time with Jesus, all of these beatitudes are invitations into the presence of Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, your life already starts to look different. When I spend time with Jesus, he begins to lovingly and kindly say, Taylor, there's that little pride part of you that I'm, I wanna work on a little bit. And it's never angry, he's never mad, he's never disappointed in me, he loves me so much that he looks at that part of me and says, yeah, I think you need to work on that a bit. It's that, it's that compassion side of me. When, 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 when go through life and maybe like you, sometimes I can get jaded too. Get jaded over situations or this or that and, and, and I have to ask this question, why am I getting jaded about that? Like, my role isn't to judge someone. They might have made some bad decisions to get them in that place, but that's not my role to judge them. My role is just to love them, right? Isn't that the kingdom? <laughs> and I'd ask myself, why? Well, maybe it's just because I haven't been as intentional about my time with Jesus. I believe as we spend time with Jesus, he begins to shape us into the picture of humility and compassion and forgiveness and being a peacemaker and enduring persecution. These are important things and they are also important things in 2024. And the times in which we live and the times in which the Lord has graced us. I wanna remind you that you, it is an honor to live in the times that God has allowed us to live. It's an honor to be the church in such crazy times. Like when you think about all of humanity, all of history, God wanted you to be in this time and this space with these people and these moments and these cultural moments. 
and these crazy political times and these, like God wanted you to be in this time. You're like, God, couldn't I have come in like 1790 or whatever? Like, you know, I don't even know what a good year would be, right? But like, no, he's like 2024. It's when I wanted you to be on earth because you have everything you need to help be the people of God, to be the presence of God. Martin Luther King and many other authors have looked to the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount as their, as their vision. We celebrate Martin Luther King this weekend, Martin Luther King Jr., who had such an impact on our world. He called this Sermon on the Mount, in fact, he was in a church service and he began to read the Sermon on the Mount and it convicted him to such degree that his life didn't look like the things of Jesus. And so he called it a costly interruption. He said, this sermon is such a costly interruption for me. And it was from that that led all of the change that he was able to help lead in our, in our nation. Uh, an author and a theologian that we've talked many times from this platform, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, looked at the Sermon on the Mount. He was a German pastor. He looked at the Sermon on the Mount. He came to New York City and was studying at a church in Harlem. And the pastor began to speak on the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And it, and it, and it went to his heart and to such a degree, it, it convicted him and motivated him to such a degree, hearing and seeing Jesus' vision for the kingdom. And, and, he, and, it, and he's like, I gotta get back to Germany. He was here in the United States, I gotta get back to Germany. And it was these motivations from Matthew chapter five, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount that led him to write a book called The Cost of Discipleship, one of the premier books in theology today. And he, and he wrote this book called The Cost of Discipleship against the Nazi regime saying we must, we must be stronger than the forces that come at us. And it was this very sermon, Matthew chapter five, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount that led him to, to go against the Nazi regime. And eventually, it led him to his very death moments before the war ended. Why? It was a costly interruption. And the invitation is the same for us this morning, my friends. I'm not saying that you're gonna, you're, you might, you're gonna die for your faith. I'm not saying that you're gonna have the same story as Martin Luther King Jr. Or, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or all the other people that have taken the words of Sermon on the Mount and God's used them in incredible ways that maybe they make, a, they make a history book or all those kinds of things. I'm not saying that's gonna be all of our stories. But what I am saying is all of us as disciples of Jesus are called to look at this as Matthew chapter five, the very words of Jesus and say, does my life look like that? And if it doesn't, be willing to go through the interruptions, the costly, loving interruptions that God might put you through so that your life can look more like this. Matthew chapter six, verse 33, Jesus says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. In other words, seek first the things we're talking about this morning it might cost you some things, but I promise you, if you'll seek these things first, all the other things in your life will also be taken care of as well. So it's an invitation to reflect, am I more humble? Am I more gracious? Am I more forgiving? All the different things we talked about this morning. Lastly, and we'll close right here. Jesus gives a vision. Everyone's invited. He gives a revision, flips the script on what it means to be happy or blessed gives an invitation, and lastly, and briefly, this is an example. Jesus, he uses this sermon to share the vision, and then he lives out all the values of this beatitude. 
Jesus is the greatest example of the Beatitudes in action. Jesus became and was poor. Think about that moment in Geth- Gethsemane when he's about to go to the cross. And he, and he weeps. He becomes poor in spirit. He becomes, he becomes broken in those moments. Jesus, I love this story in the, in the Gospels. He goes up to the, the top of the Mount of Olives and it's the, this vision, you can see all of Jerusalem. And the Bible says he, he stepped away and he looked over all of Jerusalem and the Bible says he wept, he mourned. Blessed are those who mourn. He mourned over Jerusalem. Jesus, blessed are those who are merciful. Oh, we could, how can we go through a message without, without reflecting on the mercy available to us at the cross? That the very crux of everything the very reason we gather this morning is because he showed us his mercy and made a way for us to come into his presence and made a way for us to come into his kingdom and made a way for us that all who should believe, all who should say yes to Jesus are welcome into his kingdom because of the great sacrifice and the mercy that he showed for us. I I think about how Jesus hungered and thirsted for righteousness, turning over the tables in the temple didn't necessarily make him a lot of friends those days. Jesus was a peacemaker. We're gonna read later that if you're hit on one side, just turn the other cheek. He, he would did everything he could to be a peacemaker with other people. Jesus was persecuted. He was quoted by saying a prophet is without honor in his hometown. As he's teaching in Capernaum and in Galilee, people did not see him as teacher. They persecuted him. What am I trying to get you to see? That Jesus was the very example. Jesus, he gave a vision and then he showed it with his life all throughout the next number of weeks as we're gonna read in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus looks at all these people and does a show and tell. Blessed are you. And I think this morning, how cool would it be if we could be here and Jesus was actually the one giving this sermon on the mount. <laughs> How beautiful would that be if I was just sitting right there and instead it was Jesus up here? You know what I think he'd do? Blessed are you who maybe had that unexpected divorce. Your morning this morning, you know, he'd, you know what he'd do? I almost guarantee you, he'd walk down, put his hand on your shoulder. Say, you know what? We love this brother or sister of God. And they're going through a tough time this morning, but we see them, don't we? He'd use as a show and tell kind of moment. Say, they're welcome in the kingdom. You know, he'd, he'd look around the crowd and say, oh, I know your story. You're, you're praying for that lost son or daughter to come home. Oh, friends, let's go. Let's go put our arms around this person. Let's pray for them. Blessed are you who are mourning this morning, for yours is the kingdom. And you know what I think he'd do? He'd look at this, our crowd. He'd say, you know what? Blessed are you, Calvary Community Church. And he'd just, he'd say, I love you so much. Blessed are you. Life, you might get persecuted, but that's Okay. Because I love you. And you know the beautiful thing this morning? It's not that it would be cool if Jesus was the one giving the Sermon on the Mount. The truth is, he is here. Th- Sorry for that. He is here this morning. 
He's here in our presence this morning. Where two or more are gathered, I am there. He's here with you this morning. And so our invitation is come before him. Bring your request to God. There's no intimacy with God until there's honesty with God. And he's inviting us into those things this morning. Amen. I'm asked if you'd stand this morning. Take a deep breath. And these friends are gonna lead us into a song and sing over us this morning. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.